Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Greetings, everyone. Welcome. Good day, good good afternoon, evening, time, doesn't matter in the internet. It's whenever you are right now. That's what matters. So wherever and whenever you are, I bid you a good time and place in space and time. Does that make sense? It's late. I'm recording this late. My name is Paul Bates, and this is my podcast, The Dubious Book of Famous Deeds. It's a history podcast where the history of the world is told to us by an unreliable book I found in an alleyway called The Pictorial Treasury of Famous Men and Famous Deeds. We haven't really talked about the pictures in this book, but I do reference one in this uh, episode. You know, I thought I thought you should know that if you haven't checked it out, my Instagram account is where I uh, post all the, all the relevant pictures to each episode. So you can go to at famous.deeds and uh, you can see the portrait of Adolf Eric Nordenskjold, uh, the subject of today's episode. More importantly, the guests of today's episode are two of my favorite people. Discerning listeners will know that this isn't my first podcast. There's another podcast that I'm on. It's called Illusionoid. It's a comedy podcast. It's a comedic Improvised science fiction radio play. That's right. I only trade in niche podcasts. Um, we've been doing uh, Illusionoid for many years. Actually, we haven't done an, a new episode in, in a little while now, but we do have some that we recorded that we have, you know, lofty ambitions to release. Check it out. You can find it at illusionoid.com. You can find it wherever you find your podcasts. And my two guests today are my castmates, if you will, of that podcast. And not only uh, are they two funny and talented actor comedians in their own right, they're also two of my closest friends. So let's get into the Illusionoid reunion special with Lee Smart and Mike Nug Nargang. All right, here we go, guys. This is chapter five of The Pictorial Treasury of Famous Men and Famous Deeds. So I just have a quick question. How much of this book is illustration? How much is text? I would like to know that. We're looking at around 98%, 99% text, and the text is dense. <laughs> I see Nug's face there. It's like, what? How can yeah, they call like it a pictorial history? Yeah, exactly. How is it pictorial <laughs> if it's 98% text? <laughs> the book is just you know, embellished, uh-huh. as, uh, to use their language, with the highest quality of wood oh, engravings. Wow. Here's the odd picture, right? Oh, this is oh. actually... Now, I'm giving it away. This is who we're talking about. Do you guys... Uh, can you guys guess who we're, who you know, we're talking about? Here? I'm going to go with a wild guess if this is a Canadian book he does look like jm schneider who nice uh, from the schneiders meet 
people. Excellent. Excellent. You know, along the same lines, I think, uh, you know, in terms of meatpacking, I think it is Ronald D. Maple Leaf of the Maple Leaf Meatpacking oh, Company. Very cool. <laughs> oh, good. We both picked meatpacking. I like it. Uh, now, this is a British book, not Canadian. Got it. Oh, okay. Um, but that's, those are both very good guesses. Here we go. Okay, this is chapter five of the pictorial treasury of famous men and famous deeds. The discoverer of the Northeast Passage. Wow. Wow, that's huge. That's huge. The Swedish navigator, about whom all the world is talking so pleasantly, is just 48 years old. That's, (laughs) like, I'm almost 48 years old. What have I done? (laughs) He comes of a good stock. The founder of the family, a certain Lieutenant Nordberg, or Nordenberg, having won distinction in the beginning of the 17th century. Can you think of another Nordberg who has won distinction? Uh, um, O.J. Simpson in The Naked Gun. That's right. Oh, wow. Well done, Nug. That was a great one. Yeah. His grandson changed the name to Nordenskjold, which signifies in honest Swedish, buckler of the north. A buckler, incidentally, is uh, a shield that you wear on your forearm. So he's the northern shield? Yeah, he's the Swedish shield. I like that. Which is a great name for a wrestler. I'm on Big, board. Yes. Oh, Swedish that's amazing. That's amazing. Swedish Shield. <laughs> and he can come out to the Swedish Chef's theme music. Oh, this is, I'm imagining it already. I want to see it tomorrow. To those who believe in the principle of heredity, it may be interesting to learn that all the relatives of the professor have been men of mark. So... We're about to enter into an unreasonably long introduction to this guy. It's like, Nug, if you were walking on stage, instead of someone saying, okay, coming up next, he's an improviser, he does the Illusionoid podcast, he, uh, he's a wrestling correspondent, Nug Nargang. Instead, if they started with your great, great, great grandfather. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So they're, oh building, they're building a case here for, for uh, distinctive genes being passed on. Is that it? So uh, were these guys- oh, Yeah, this is true. Yeah. Yes. Right. Yes. Okay. Genetics are not yet known in this time. Right. And so heredity is a notion that cannot yet be proved. Wow. Wow. That's or disproven. <laughs> or disproven. <laughs> okay. So here's a little here's a little intro. We haven't we don't even know this person's name yet. <laughs> a Colonel Adolf Nordenskjold constructed a valuable museum of natural history on his estate at Frugor. His brother, Otto Magnus, was the first who introduced many-bladed saws into Finland. Wow. Unfortunately for himself, however, this busy-minded practical man was also a philanthropist. He expressed his wishes for universal peace among all Christian nations and consequently died excommunicated by the clergy of his native land. So uh, did I hear, unfortunately, he was a philanthropist? Holy yes, unfortunately crap. for him. Magnus Otto Nordenberg, okay, presented in 1745 uh, a proposal to the Russian empress for eternal restoration of peace, friendship, and unity amongst Christians. Unfortunately, that included declaring Finland a neutral ground between Sweden and Russia, uh, for which he was arrested by the Russian Empire, put in prison, uh, finally released three years later, handed over to Sweden, who jailed him again. Whoa! That's what you get for trying to be polite. Because Finland at the time was a territory that was just handed back and forth between Sweden and Russia. Yeah. Stuck in the middle between these warring nations. And at this time, it's a grand duchy within the Russian Empire. 
Now they've buried the lead on Magnus Otto. The most interesting thing about him was that he had a vision one day and after that turned all his attention to the pursuit of alchemy. <laughs> oh, here we go. Here we go. Uh, okay, let's let's uh, let's move on to the next uh, We're not even library. at the guy yet. <laughs> no, we're not. We are. We're going to get through this. Uh, okay. Uh, his fate, however, did not serve as a warning to his kinsfolk. Thus, Augustus Nordenskiold, nephew of the peace seeker, not content with having won reputation as a scientific chemist of great merit, died of wounds in his labors for the abolition of slavery. Wow. While trying to form a colony of free men at Sierra Leone. Now, again, they're bearing the lead and they're also distorting the past a little bit here because oh. there's an inherent racism in this book where they, well, you know, like, yeah. surprising. it's there. Color. They frowned yeah, yeah. upon him trying to lead a colony of free men. Yeah. So there's a, there's this implicit, that's what you get vibe of this yeah. is what you get for trying to abolish slavery and help Africans. Wow. So Augustus Nordenskiold, uh, they call him a chemist, but <laughs> this dude was a fervent alchemist. <laughs> he was... Uh, uh, his uncle Magnus was easily his favorite and studied like everything that his uncle wrote and then took that to another level and pitched his alchemy to the Swedish king, Gustav III. Mm. Gustav III said, I'm going to build you a secret laboratory. <laughs> so this, so Augustus Nordenskjold was a professional secret alchemist working for the Swedish king trying oh. to produce Gold. Und it's a great gig if you can get it. Well, wow. Great gig if you can get it. 100%. It's like Colin Mockery being paid to do improv. He's the only <laughs> one who can do it. He's the only one. He's the only one. Yeah. Uh, also, a professed seeker of the sages or philosopher's stone. Wow. Which I thought was a made up thing by J.K. Rowling. No, that's a real thing. Yes, or well, real insofar as people believe in it. So but, let's yeah. un unpack that a little bit. So what what is the Philosopher's Stone? Like, what was it intended to be? Why did people quest it? It was a mythical alchemical substance capable of turning base metals such as mercury into silver or gold. So it could turn lead or mercury or another base metal. It was just like you would take it and it would do it. Wow. It, 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 this this was a magic rock. Wow. So if you're, you know, if, if you're out there and you're like, I want to get into alchemy, this is alchemy 101, you got to get yourself a philosopher's stone. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of them or there's just one? You can get them on Amazon now. Uh, <laughs> but you don't know, like you got to check the reviews to make sure they're- It's legit. Yeah. yeah. Don't yeah. go with the Amazon choice. Go with the one that has the <laughs> best reviews, the most stars. Now, was Augustus Norden Skiold- murdered by men of color in Africa? No, he died of a fever because he delved deeper into the jungle on his quest for gold. So he was kind of like a Heart of Darkness kind of guy as well. So he was, yeah. he was, this, he was yeah. a Kurtz kind of character. Wow. And the Heart of Darkness was the stone, guys. Okay, ah. close that book, close that book. You know what, we wrapped up early. Yeah, you did. <laughs> We haven't even started. We haven't even gotten to the guy. No, I know. We're not even at the guy. We figured it out. <laughs> okay. All right. Let's keep moving. Um, but that's that's Augustus Nordenskjold. Okay. So now we're we're getting to the less crazy people in the Nordenskjold family. Okay. The son of this good chemist was Nils Gustavus, a mineralogist of note and father 
of the famous explorer of the northern seas, now before the public, Adolphus Eric Nordenskjold, who was born on the 18th November 1832. We're yeah. talking about we got there. Adolf Eric Nordenskjold, yeah. the discoverer of the Northeast Passage. Amazing, amazing. Now, one of the reasons I elected to keep that info, because I have cut stuff out of this chapter, it's a good reminder of how far back money, nobility, and privilege go in a family. You know what I mean? Mm. Like, they've described this family uh, as being noble back from, like, the 1600s. Um, but, you know, the truth is most people in, in Finland at the time lived in, you know, farming communities. They lived in poverty and yeah. in urban areas. They lived in squalor. But we're not going to hear about those people. We're going to hear a story of great, great privilege. Yeah. This is people born into it with the, with the freedom to actually become great men. Well, not only that, but deeds. the freedom to be to follow their crazy ideas. Yeah, like I know people who are farming and living in squalor don't have the time to go. What if I could turn lead into gold? Yeah, could you imagine just being like a peasant and just pitching to your mom? Mom, I think um, I can't farm today. I, I need to try and make gold from this piece of rock I found. <laughs> okay, honey, you take this pitchfork and you get out there and get stuff done, and we'll talk about your crazy garbage later. <laughs> it's true, you know. I often think about ancient Athens. All of that philosophy that's the cornerstone of Western civilization, of much of the world civilization, the stuff that, say, Socrates and Plato thought about, but they were able to do it because they had such a huge infrastructure of slavery, right, and domination of yeah. other places that they had the free time to have, uh, you know, to put robes uh, uh, jauntily thrown over one shoulder and discuss, you know, uh, perfect forms. All right, we continue. Yeah. The navigator was educated as a child by his mother and afterwards at... Borgo, which is the Swedish name for the uh, Finnish city of Purvu. Those are both nonsense words to me. <laughs> Wait, I want to unpack that for a second. Yeah. So, guys, we're going to Porvu. <laughs> we call it Bargo. I get it. And everyone just went along with that? <laughs> I guess. I think the problem is now, because the Swedish have conquered Finland so many times, there's a Finnish name for everything and a Swedish name right. for everything. The nobility spoke Swedish and the peasantry spoke Finnish. That was wow. the separation between classes. I, we could probably presume that this dude that we're talking about probably knew both languages, but he spoke mm. Swedish for sure because he was part of the nobility. Wow. wow. It's the yeah. same it's the same kind of theory that Jupiter was Zeus, right? Oh, yes, right. A Greek name and a, and a Roman name. So mm -hmm. whoever the victor is gets to rename the thing that already existed with their own thing. That's that's fascinating. Yeah, okay. And then if they ever come up with a new one and then the power switches, they have to rename the new one in the old like Roman Greek, so Greek found a new god for this, and then it flipped back over to the Romans, and the Romans went, oh, that guy? Yeah, he's one of ours. His name's Gary. Okay, great. And then it flips back over. <laughs> yeah. it's, like, yeah. uh, it's like a radio station switching to country. Yeah. Yeah. Dead silence. What are you talking about? <laughs> the uh, hard rock station that was like a CKSL hard rock mornings now becomes hard country mornings, and everyone just pretends everything's the same. <laughs> when I was a kid, this has nothing to do with what we're talking about. When I was a kid, um, I uh, would listen to 1050 Chum. It was top 40. Oh, And loved I loved it. Uh, you know, The Police, David Bowie, uh, yeah. all yeah. the hits. Uh, Pretenders. Yes. And then one morning I turned on the radio 
and it, there was a, uh, a format change. They had switched to hits from the 50s, 60s, and 70s. All um, oldies. And I was like, what happened? And uh, <laughs> I, I didn't like it, and I never looked for a different uh, station on the radio. I just stopped listening to music. <laughs> wow. Wow. Paul Bates. Just, so your knowledge, oh your knowledge of music was current, you tolerated only current music, and then when they were faced with the idea of learning about old music, you said, no thanks. I said, no thank you, turned off the radio, and then could not, I had no idea what current music was afterwards, because I didn't know where to well, hear it. Well, you wouldn't know where to go. You wouldn't understand. You could turn the dial, or that FM had better quality. Yeah. You wouldn't know any of Did that. Did not know any of that, yeah. You're a modern day Marcus uh, Nordenbergenstrom. <laughs> <laughs> I've learned nothing about what we've talked about so far. That's why I said that. That's okay. That's fine. I learned Paul doesn't like music. All right. That's what I learned. I like it now. Good I just Lord. I have so much I have so much legwork to do to catch up. I'm still catching up. <laughs> okay, so Borgo uh, is a school that he went to. The pupils were allowed, however, more than enough liberty, and he did little good there. His parents seem to have been neither surprised nor vexed at the unsatisfactory reports of the college authorities of Borgo, but took the rather unusual course of giving both to him and a brother, who was his fellow student, unrestricted liberty of action. The two lads thus left their own devices, paid five rubles a month for their modest board and lodging, I guess they lived by themselves, pursuing such studies as pleased them, and the experiment in every respect was a happy one. So so it feels like a bit of a Montessori thing or yeah. something where uh, kids are allowed to just pursue their own studies. Mm-hmm. Norden Skiold uh, didn't do well. He, he was accused of extreme idleness. But then when they told his parents, they were like, you know what? Let him do even less. Wow. He's just like, let him do whatever he wants. Yeah. And apparently it uh, it worked out where he eventually uh, became interested in certain studies and started pursuing them. And then his grades got better. It sounds a lot like fancy book learning wasn't for him. Actually going out and doing stuff was for him because he left the university, left those books behind and went and discovered stuff, like actually did stuff instead of theorizing about it. Mm. That's a good point. And I think Mm -hmm. you're right. Young Nordenskjold quitted the University of Borgo abruptly for the singular reason that two of the students had been flogged. A proceeding Whoa. which he seems to have thought derogatory to his dignity as one of their body. Wow. And is there any description of what the, f- I, I guess, you know, everybody kind of has an idea of what flogging is, but uh, flogging is a, is a whipping. Is that correct? Lee, there was a salacious description oh of God. every single oh lash. No, I'm kidding. It was never. Um, Paul, I uh, need you to read it as slowly as possible. <laughs> <laughs> it was apparently a legal punishment, but um, uh, the fact that it was administered caused a lot of upset at the school. It was half the student body actually quit after that. So there was a huge uh, protest uh, yeah, amongst the students. Now, this is just a sidebar, but I, I attended school for a very short time in uh, in England, probably the equivalent of being in grade maybe five or so. But one time I was uh, I got in trouble in, in class and I had to go down to the headmaster's office. And uh, I got uh, a very small version of flogging, which is you put your arm out, you have to roll up your sleeve, you put your palm out facing the uh, the headmaster and they would take a leather strap which had like you know was um yeah was made into like sort of uh, fronds at the end and uh, they would lay down 
uh, a bunch of these on your hand. And the, the tail of the strap would go up your arm and whip your forearm. And this guy who did this... Uh, seemed to really, really enjoy it because he he put his whole body into it. I, I could swear to you that his feet left the ground on every approach that he made to me. <laughs> he, he did a slight hop and then he brought it down on my hand. It's like he really, really enjoyed it. It was very, uh, very upsetting. Only time it ever happened. Wow. Um, Lee, do you remember what you did to receive the flogging? I think, you know, I, th- <laughs> I think it was something as, uh, as simple as... Uh, as chewing gum in class. Yeah, so a flog, I can understand why they would quit that uh, the student body there. Especially if this is university. Yeah, yeah. This is not small children that you have to, mm. you know, rein in yeah. for disbeha- misbehavior. This is almost full adults. Yeah. Yeah, wait, I'm allowed to just leave if I don't like this? Mm-hmm. Oh, so, okay, I pick that. So he, uh, he he quit Borgo. I'm sad that we'll never say the word Borgo again in this. I, we can, though. Yeah. We yes. have the ability. I think we should. And in 1849, matriculated at Helsingfors. Matriculated, of course, means be enrolled at. Oh. We all know that. Very good. Um, and uh, Helsingfors is the name at the time for Helsinki. Matriculated at Helsingfors, where he worked incessantly at natural history in its highest branches. During the vacations, he accompanied his father, who was chief of the Department of Mines in Finland, on some of his mineralogical excursions and became himself a collector of minerals. So, like you said, Nug, he was like, he learned more by doing and exploring and yep. just joining his dad than, uh, than studying in books. So, and he, and this again is privilege at work because he had the privilege on vac- on his time off to go bring your child to work day mm-hmm. and go hang out with his dad who was the head of mines and so then he collected minerals while he was there and if this guy's the head of mines sounds like this kid's coming home with like chunks of gold in his pocket yeah <laughs> yes that's true any metal you want son take it <laughs> whatever piece whatever you can find she is keeps stuff your pockets with as many gems as you pull out of the rock just like your father but shh, don't say anything it was from his father that he first learned the uses of the blowpipe an instrument which he managed with unexampled skill do you guys know what a blowpipe is um, for is it glass blowing or are we talking like a, a blow dart gun? It's uh, not the one for assassinations. Is it for oh. something for um, for like uh, panning for minerals? Is it something that sort of uh, separates uh, things? Yes, a little bit of both actually. So a bit of glass blowing and a bit of what you just said, Lee. Blowpipes uh, have been used for centuries to identify elements in mineralogical samples. They were used in the original discoveries of about a dozen elements from nickel to indium. And you would add lead pellets to the ore you're analyzing, then you'd heat it up, then you would use the blowpipe to add a steady stream of oxygen to the flame, increasing its temperature to over 2,000 degrees Celsius, wow. 3,600 degrees Fahrenheit. Wow. And this would produce, don't inhale it though, or else <laughs> your lungs will explode. And that is the main danger of blowpipes. This would produce a metal alloy from which you could extract the element you're analyzing. So that's what blowpipes do. You know, I'm going to say this. I'm going to say this. That's very impressive they could achieve those temperatures. I had no idea. I thought, you know, everything was done at room temperature in the the old days. That's what I thought. (laughs) (laughs) The rooms were cold. (laughs) Rooms were cold. It's like, that's why they couldn't forge anything. It was just cold. Okay. Uh, In 1853, he completed his university career, and immediately afterwards, he accompanied his father on a scientific journey to the Ural. The Ural 
uh, of course, is a mountainous region um, between Europe and Asia. Um, it's right on the continental border. Scientific journey to the Ural where they inspected the copper mines of the Demidoffs at Tagalisk. Now those were orcs, yes? Yes. <laughs> I, I can look up their stats in my Dungeon Master's book. Yeah, huge armor class. Oh, huge, huge. <laughs> the House of Demidov was a prominent Russian noble family during the 18th and 19th centuries. The Demidovs found success through metal products. The Demidov copper mines supplied Imperial Russia with 40% of its copper and a lot of malachite, which is an ornamental gem Ooh. beloved of the Russian aristocracy and used in their vases and tabletops. You better believe that kid put that in his pocket. Oh, yeah. A hundred percent. Hey, kid. Hey, son. Here's a little bit of malachite just for you. If you get caught with it, don't worry. Nothing bad will happen to you because <laughs> you're my son. <laughs> Go home and jam it in a vase. <laughs> We're going to take a quick break and come back with more of the adventures of Adolf Nordenskjold as he, you ever meet anybody who, uh, who just keeps failing upwards, no matter how much trouble they get in, no matter how many times they screw up, they just keep getting promoted higher and higher in life and status. That's what's happening to this guy. You'll hear all about it after this brief but necessary break. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, we're back for part two of the discoverer of the Northeast Passage. He's only left school. This uh, book once again exhibiting its mastery of the preamble. Uh, he's been uh, he's been traveling with his father on summer vacay, collecting uh, rocks and gems, examining them with his blowpipe. But soon, you know, summer vacation's over. You gotta head back to university. Time to get serious, Adolf. I don't mean to sound like the father from the music video for Twisted Sisters, We're Not Gonna Take It, but what do you want to do with your life? And the answer, of course, is... I want a rock, and he's a mineralogist. It all ties together. This is beautiful. Anyways, let's get back to it with Leon Nug and Adolf Eric Nordenskjold. On returning home, he continued to prosecute his studies with commendable diligence and wrote some works on mineralogy which are still regarded as valuable. Since I have not been able to find them on the internet, I'm going to guess that's not true anymore. Probably not true. He was also appointed director of the Faculty of Mathematics and Physics, but he did not long enjoy the emoluments of those posts, being cashiered before six months were out for some political talk at a tavern dinner. Now, wow. cashiered means being removed from one's post for wrongdoing. So basically he was going to be the head of the math department mm -hmm. and then said some stuff. And yes. then they went, oh, no, we can't have you as the 
head of the department. Uh, I'll, I'll read the account in this book and then I'll clarify. Indeed, the affair, which happened in 1855, wears some rather a comical aspect at this distance. You're going to laugh. <laughs> <laughs> the professor and his friends got merry and took to toasts and mimicries. They were betrayed by a Finnish fiddler oh. who had helped to enliven their entertainment and whose righteous soul was vexed or perhaps frightened at their manner of amusing themselves. The professor remarks with great truth that if they had only hired a Russian musician, which they might easily have done, the party would have got off scot-free for he would not have been able to understand a word of their discourse. Oh, uh, we should have hired foreign musicians. Don't hire local. Don't hire local. Wow. Yeah. Nordenskjold says that he and his friends decided to have a joint birthday party. Mm. We do that. People do that, right? Oh, yeah. have birthdays around the same time. Yeah. Hey, let's just have a big joint birthday party. They rented a hall. They hired some entertainment. The entertainment being these fiddlers. Yeah. History's DJs. Fiddlers. <laughs> yes. They got around to doing parodies of British Prime Minister Henry John Temple, third Viscount of Palmerston, and his speech about attacking Russia's Baltic fortresses to end the Crimean War, which I guess is what people did before karaoke. So, uh, <laughs> so they were doing political impressions. Yes, that's exactly what they were doing. Now, because Finland was still occupied and controlled by imperialist Russia, mm. these political impressions got back to the Russian governor, wow. we'll soon find out nemesis of Professor Nordenskjold. And, uh, and that caused him to lose his position at the university. Uh, okay, so they got drunk, they made some dumb jokes, and it cost him his job. Mm. It happens. Mm. Right? Happens today. Happens to the best. Yeah, it of does. Ball. It does. Happens today. And it's just like, you know, now there's social media, but back then there were fiddlers. <laughs> and that's how you get caught. Deprived of place and pay, as he was by this stroke of ill luck, young Nordenskjold lost nothing of his energy and courage. He procured such money as he wanted and set out for Berlin, passing through St. Petersburg quite unmolested so that his recent escapade could not have been considered a grave one. In the Russian capital, he had the good fortune to meet his father! Yay! <laughs> oh, daddy's here! Yay! <laughs> who, was, who was returning from the Ural, and after the first astonishment produced by the altered position of his affairs had been explained away, he was furnished with letters to the brothers Rose and to others who ranked highly amongst the learned men of Prussia. He was everywhere well-received in honor of his father and admitted daily to work in the famous laboratory of Rose. Wow. So daddy wrote me a letter, called in some favors, and got me a job in a lab. Heavy duty nepotism. That's incredible. Privilege strikes again. Yep. The, uh, the Rose Brothers, by the way, were a mid-1980s R&B quartet from Chicago, Illinois. <laughs> I don't, Paul, I don't think, I think you should have looked at the second, uh, uh Thing that came up on this. I checked the first. Uh, their <laughs> albums included the self-titled debut, The Rose Brothers, also in the mix, and Everything is Coming Up Roses. Yeah. Oh, that should have been their first. That should have been their there. first. Yep. Singles included I Wanna Do Ya, I Get Off On You, and Wall to Wall Freaks. Stop it. Stop <laughs> it. That's not uh, the songs. No way. Uh, 
the second entry on Google, you'll find that we're talking about Gustav and Heinrich Rose, German mineralogists. Oh, what uh, what albums do they have? <laughs> oh, um, Rocks Aplenty. <laughs> Check out these rocks. <laughs> and Wall to Wall Freaks. Wall to Wall Freaks. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, not get my rocks off. Oh, oh God, I know. Where were you in 1840? Oh, man. Yeah. skilled, after thus profiting to the utmost by his stay in Berlin, returned to Finland in the summer of 1856, and all memory of his opposition to the government had completely disappeared. He obtained his degree of Master of Arts and Doctor from his alma mater, and then again got into trouble with his old enemy, the Governor General, Count de Berg. Wow. Oh, this is great. This is like a whole yes. Les Miserables under, understory here, right? This guy is... Uh, right. <laughs> he's hunting him. Count de Berg. His full name is Frederick Wilhelm Rambert Berg. Wow. This time, although he had the university authorities on his side and was really guiltless of offense, Monsieur de Berg was for having him tried for high treason, mm. and he was advised to fly the country or evil would happen to him. Here's what he did. Nordenskjold returned to Helsinki. He was, quote, promoted to doctor. I assume that means he got his doctorate there. Wow. At the graduation party, he gave a speech <laughs> because he was in a pretty high position there. He gave a speech. <laughs> yeah. He again, he claims he was just kidding around. <laughs> he, this guy can't help himself. Yep. Uh, yeah, I, this is just a joke. And part of his jokes was calling for reconnected ties between Finland and Sweden and expressing doubts about a future for Finland under Russian supremacy. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's that's a knee slapper. And that was early knock-knock jokes. Yeah. Early knock-knock jokes. That's, yeah. that's how the inoffensive these jokes were. Knock-knock. <laughs> Who's, Who's there? there? Finland. Finland, Finland who? who? Uh, under the Russian thumb. <laughs> That's good. Yeah. I'm telling on yeah. you. Uh, knock, knock. <laughs> Who's there? Who's there? Uh, I express doubts about a future for Finland. Uh, I, I express doubts about, about a future for Finland. Finland. Who? I express doubts about a future for Finland under Russian supremacy. <laughs> <laughs> so much better than mine. Oh, so, crap. Uh, <laughs> so, like a quarter oh. of the crowd did exactly what you're doing, just like laughing and screaming. That was so much better than mine. Yeah. And at least another quarter of the room was furious. Sure. So he split the room, a very divided issue. Finland nationalism was on the rise, um, but still they're under the thumb of Russia. And so this isn't just kidding around. This is, you know, I mean, it, it, on one hand, this is free speech, but on the other hand, this is also the Russian Empire, where free speech has never been really a huge thing. Um, right. And so uh, that probably counts as treason under their laws. So it's not just kidding around. He made, he made his stand, and it's a noble stand, but he got in trouble for it again. Mm -hmm. Indeed, the professor was subsequently deprived of his civil rights, but he took a job in Stockholm because he basically uh, was a persona non grata in Finland now. The persecution against him, however, set on foot by de Berg, was still smoldering, and difficulties immediately arose about his passport. When mm. he finally obtained it, also, it was accompanied by an emphatic warning from the governor to return no more, and the Russian minister at Stockholm received orders never 
to affix a visa to his passport should he contemplate doing so. Damn. Use your passport. Don't come back. Yeah. Yeah. It's worth nothing. It's like a passport you get at Epcot Center. (laughs) (laughs) And they stamp that passport at Epcot with those giant turkey legs that you get there, right? You know those (laughs) ones? That's absolutely right. Yeah. Uh, That order remained in force until 1862, when de Burgh, the governor general, was deprived of his governor generalship. Uh And from that date, the professor has been able to visit his native land as often as he has felt any desire to do so. Oh, that's nice. You're probably wondering, are we going to hear about the voyage of the Northeast Passage? Uh, Paul, uh, is the answer no? (laughs) Let's read on. It is hardly surprising that Professor Njordenskjold should have subsequently obtained letters of naturalization as a Swedish subject. He sat and voted in the Chamber of Nobles during the last two assemblies of the Swedish states. This is something that nobles get to do is immediately join politics whenever they want. And from 1869 to 1871 was a liberal member for Stockholm. What has happened to him since then? That's my question. Is part... Of the grand history of Arctic navigation. Wow. The splendid liberality of Mr. Oscar Dixon and of Monsieur Alexander Siberiakov. Those were the patrons, the people who financed the voyage. Well, wow, hold on, hold on a sec. So the guys, one of the guys' last names was Siberiakov? Yes. You can hear it at parties. Uh, my, I'm Siberiakov. Of the Siberia? Siberia. <laughs> 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 well, the same. <laughs> one and the same. <laughs> I, have a, I have a horribly barren country that's named after my family. <laughs> The last and most renowned achievement of this eminent Swedish explorer was accomplished in the summer of 1879. It was the successful navigation in a small steam vessel called the Vega of the entire Northeast Passage from Europe round the coast of Siberia and through the Bering Strait to the Pacific Ocean. The importance of this great feat of maritime enterprise may not be confined to increasing our geographical knowledge, but may possibly extend to the opening of new routes for commerce. Yeah, yeah. So that's Sweden uh, over the top of Russia to the Bering Strait between Alaska and Russia? Yep. That's yep. That, and then so far. that vast expanse of just nothing. Yes. Yes. Wow. So this guy was part of the expedition that traversed a place nobody else wanted to go. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. Here's a little backstory. Before we say that, I'll just I'll just say that this chapter is all about the discover of the Northeast Passage, and in the book, what I just read to you, yeah. is. All they say about it. That was it. What? Um, Is this Lord of the Rings? I I know, right? You think think that you're getting through a lot of preamble for a big story, a big epic story of a discovery. Yeah. But instead, it was more about his social climbing, his ins and outs of parties, his hilarious jokes, travels with his dad, and a quick little epilogue about the thing that he's most famous for. Okay, here's some backstory about the Northeast Passage, because we actually covered this in the last chapter. Oh. Marco Polo establishes trade 
with China. Way back in like the 11, 1200s or something like yeah, that. Yeah, way back. Tra- trade with China is great, but after the Mongolian Empire falls apart, all contact with China is cut off. All of a sudden, England's economy tanks, so they're like, we have to get back in touch with China. So <laughs> they think maybe if we traverse north and then east, we'll be able to make it to China. They made it as far as Moscow, established trade with Moscow, and they're like, we'll find China one day. <laughs> 300 years later, Nordenskjold had originally hoped to make it to the North Pole. And he thought that he'd be able to sail there, but there was way too much ice. It was impossible. He turned his attention to the Northeast Passage. But while he was in the Arctic, doing studies, collecting flora. Probably pocketing minerals. Malachite. Yeah, just digging all the malachite he can find yep. for his own vases and tabletops. <laughs> you know it. You know it is. He also studied uh, ocean currents. He studied the, the, the way ice is moving. And he makes a very, very obvious observation which should have been obvious to everybody. If you leave in the summertime, there will be less ice. (laughs) (laughs) I want to see Russell Crowe play him in a movie where it's just like the numbers just floating around in front of him, like beautiful mind. And then he just underlines July. (laughs) 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 Numbers, 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 July. It's a big circle. Yep. So the Vega, he gets on the Vega. It's built for whaling. It got refitted for exploring with a 60 horsepower auxiliary steam engine. And they take off from Karlskrona, Sweden on June 22nd, 1878. They reach the northernmost tip of the Eurasian continent, Mm -hmm. Cape Chelsiuskin on August 19th, 1878. That's pretty much halfway. And at this point along the coast of Siberia, there was about a... a couple miles wide strip of ice-free water. So they were able to navigate that. And they made it all the way to just a kilometer and a half from the Bering Strait. That is just a couple days away. They made it that far when the Vega got trapped in ice on September 28th, 1878. And they were stuck there until August 18th, 1879. They spent 11 months trapped in the ice just one and a half kilometers from their goal this kind of story uh comes up all the time like boats get trapped in the ice now did they did they eat and any of their crew is that is that documented there at all did they consume anyone (laughs) was there cannibalism yeah was there cannibalism they had they had two years worth of supplies but it doesn't say if the supplies were also those people (laughs) well here's what we do we have to to check the manifest how many people went on the expedition and how many people came back exactly we can discover exactly with simple math without Russell Crowe's help we can figure this out yeah so they finally reached in 1879 the Bering Strait on August 20th they stopped in Japan for two months for repairs then traveled home by way of the Western Pacific the Indian Ocean and the Suez Canal oh so they they circled the whole thing wow. Nordenskjold was not only the first explorer to discover the Northeast Passage also the first explorer to do that full circumnavigation of the Eurasian continent. Amazing. Wow. Wherever throughout the whole world there exists a generous enthusiasm for acts of daring done in the service of mankind, there will be hearty admiration and kind thought for Professor Nordenskjold. Um, so I would say, I'd say that's a famous deed. That's pretty good, right? Yeah. I mean, I, I wish they actually talked about it in this chapter instead of just like, you know, his passports and, uh, collecting rocks his, with his dad. His sh- his shitty jokes. Yeah. To me, 
more than that, I was thinking about this uh, a lot lately, thinking like, what is my takeaway from this? And my takeaway is mm. that uh, if you are given an infinite amount of second chances, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you will accomplish something great. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. There's like privilege offers you so much uh, room yeah. to fail and ultimately succeed. Whereas yeah. Yeah. any one of these slip ups that, that Norden Skjold encountered, if it happened to anyone less noble than himself, that'd be it. They'd be stopped there, put in a Russian prison, mm. executed for treason. Uh, you don't get to come on my trips and collect rocks. Yeah. You know, I'm not saying he shouldn't get that encouragement and that freedom, even in his schooling, the yeah. freedom to do nothing. Yeah. But I'm not saying that he shouldn't have gotten all that. I'm saying everybody should. Yes. Yes. That is a diamond hard crystallization of that story. That's the moral right there. That's every kid go leaving high school, going to university on an undecided major. Yes. Yeah. Yes. A general, just a general university degree. And while you're there, falling into something that piques your interest. And then the next year when your marks come back and they're no good, I don't like this anymore. I'm trying something else. Yeah. I think it's a plea also for uh, universal basic income. Give everybody $1,000 a month and let them do whatever they want and see where it leads. And great things will happen. <laughs> yeah. and great just trust. Things will trust great that great things. things will happen. Yeah. Be the deed you want in the world. Uh, See the deeds you want to be in the world. Knock, knock. Be the... F who's there? Oh, who's there? who's there? Who's there? Who's there? The deeds you want to be in the world. The, de uh, the deeds you want to be in the world who? Exactly. <laughs> oh, wow. That's... I wasn't expecting to be zinged like that, but it Man, really hit home. Way better than mine. You know, that's oh. it. <laughs> You can find Nug Nargang on Instagram at Twitter at Nug Nargang. That's N-A-H-R-G-A-N-G. You can find Lee Smart on Instagram at SmartLease and on Twitter at Krypton's Last Son. And of course, you can find the Illusionoid podcast all over the internet. Apple Podcasts, Stitcher. Uh, illusionoid.com and uh, we're on Twitter and Instagram at IllusionoidPod. Next episode, enough with the boats, let's talk about art. We're going to learn about sculpture, the artist's life, and romance Italian style with Giovanni Dupre, 19th century Italy's second best sculptor. Dubious Book of Famous Deeds is produced and recorded in Toronto. It's part of the Sonar Network. Go to thesonarnetwork.com and check out the many funny and thoughtful podcasts offered there. If you enjoy this podcast, please leave me a review. It goes a long way towards helping this show find its audience. You can subscribe as well so that you never miss an episode. Follow the podcast online at Famous Deeds on Twitter and at Famous.Deeds on Instagram. And you can also follow me on Twitter and Instagram at BatesBot9000. If you want to get in touch, whether to ask questions, correct my work, lodge a complaint, or just say hi, I want to hear from you. Shoot an email to FamousDeeds at gmail.com. And if you'd like to support the work I put into researching and producing this podcast, why not buy me a coffee? You can do so at buymeacoffee.com slash famous.deeds. It's an easy way to support creators all over the internet. 
Until next time, I'm Paul Bates. Thanks for listening. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.